0: I want to greet everybody that's tuning in this morning. This is WNZN uh, 89.1 Power Radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. Uh, we know that uh, with COVID, we've been doing a lot of these tapings and then sending them to the station. But we've had many interesting guests on As you, if you've been listening on a regular basis. But uh, I'm very, very happy to introduce our guest today, Dean Sherman, who's been with Youth of the Mission for many, many years. He's, As David said, he's going to introduce himself and tell about his background and And how we got into this particular ministry dealing with spiritual warfare. And uh, it's true, Dean. I mean, I was in Thailand 35 years ago. We were up north, a little bit south of Chiang Mai. But I actually had your cassette tapes and listened to many of your things. And I think I had a book or two. At that time, if I'm not mistaken, you were in Australia. And I also heard about you when we lived in Bangkok. Because the uh, DTS teams would come and do their short term. But they would reference you. Often, So, uh, you know, I've never met you, but in a sense, I have met you through your many teachings. So uh, going with what David just said, would you please introduce yourself, Dean, and your background, a little bit, a snapshot there, how you got in this ministry, and as David asked, what, what, uh, who taught you? How did you get interested in this particular field? Well,
1: um, uh, thanks for having me on.
2: today and uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I, I uh, went to seminary years ago and was a youth pastor up near Seattle in the northwest part of the country and uh, I heard about uh, this group Youth with a Mission uh, 50 some years ago now and went out on an outreach to the south pacific islands of tonga near fiji out where they just had a horrible cyclone <clears throat> we need to pray for the people of the south pacific and samoa and fiji and tonga and those places because they're, they're really hard hit with a big storm that just went through a few days ago but anyway that's where i started out and um no, I I I, uh, I I I didn't get back to the U.S. for five years, uh, and then that was just on a visit, and I spent time out in the South Pacific, particularly in New Zealand and Australia, and um, and Papua New Guinea. And it was in those those time, particularly in Papua New Guinea, where the the demonic realm of witchcraft and the occult and so on is so in your face in in the whole the culture. It's so on, much on the surface uh, that the warfare thing was kind of thrust upon me. I didn't really have any desire to be a warfare teacher or uh, get involved in any of the things with the demonic realm with the spirit world but it was just it was just the circumstance all kinds of circumstances in our ministry to people and trying to help people and and uh whatever just we were just led into it because it it became a daily in your face reality and then um one time when i was uh leading uh, youth of a mission in Australia, because we were out in evangelism every day and because we were our focus back in those days and still is is every creature and all nations and I was uh, so so daily we were how can we reach the whole world? how can we reach every creature? how can we um, how can we uh, reach every nation and And uh, I was asking the Lord over quite a period of time, God, how come 2,000 years after Jesus said, go into all the world, have we not done better? We've had amazing missionaries that dedicated, gave their lives, knew that we have the word of God, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. How come we haven't been more successful in reaching the world? with the gospel. And it's over a period of time it seemed like the Lord indicated to me that there were several reasons why we hadn't done better as a church. And um, one of those reasons was I felt like God indicated to me we have not dealt with the forces of darkness as directly and as aggressively as we could. And so that kind of that and numbers of other events during those years kind of led me into in just you know spending more time with the, my team members and other people around me, uh, being more aggressive against the strongholds of the enemy, and particularly in Papua New Guinea, we began to be aggressive and and. Uh, I I give this story in my spiritual warfare book, Spiritual Warfare for Every uh, Christian. But uh, God spoke to us and said, praise is a key in this particular situation to breaking down the forces of darkness, which have never been challenged. That was a word that came to me in Papua New Guinea. And, uh, you know, you don't always... You you don't always know whether or not it's God speaking, and to make a long story short, there were five different men of God from five different countries that came through our uh, city there in Papua New Guinea and said exactly the same words, praise is the key to breaking down the forces of darkness that have been here uh, and have never been challenged.
1: I see. So we, I'm sorry. So
2: we we began to do that, and we saw dramatic change in the success of our ministry. So,
0: okay, Dean, thank you for that overview. Now, uh, what year did you do? Did you actually join YWAM and go overseas? And for those that are not familiar with Youth with the Mission, I, uh, we had David Kepler on. He's from Tyler, Texas, the training center there. He's the one that actually put us in touch with you, Dean. And he's Uh-oh. not well today. But he wanted me to send you his warm greetings and thank you for participating in this show. So Youth with a Mission started by a man named Lauren Cunningham back in the, correct me if I'm wrong, in the six early 60s. Is that correct? Uh,
2: 1960 it was incorporated in California, yes.
0: And uh, what the idea, like you just said, is to reach every nation. And I've encountered their teams, their discipleship training teams, uh, when I was in Southeast Asia. But... Uh, and again, uh, your influence there, particularly in this area of spiritual warfare, I'm just looking at your book now, "Spiritual Warfare for Every Christian." How many books have you written, Dean?
2: I've only written two: the the one on spiritual warfare and another one on relationships, so, which are two series of teaching that I did. I did a lot of verbal teaching on, and we just put the teaching into book form.
0: Now, in in your estimate, when you're looking at America, the church here in America, Christians, us, um, what would you say surprises you the most that we do not know? I'm talking in a general sense about spiritual warfare, the spirit world, um, which you encountered so so graphically in uh, Papua New Guinea, and I seen similar uh, spirit uh, oppression, animism when I lived in northern Thailand. But what would you say? We we as believers here do not know that we should know. What can what would you say in just you know a, a rather quick little snapshot of that?
2: Well, in there, there's of course a lot of things uh-huh. that uh, could be said, but it within the the narrow uh, subject of spiritual warfare, uh, the church throughout the whole of church history. Uh, has steer, stayed clear of the spirit world or we've got involved in the spirit world uh, the demonic realm and gone to, to ridiculous extremes with all kinds of superstitions and and witch trials mm-hmm. and burning people at the stake as witches who were not witches and that sort of so, thing. So what happens is we either, we either don't believe in the spirit world or don't have much to do with thinking about it, or if we get involved, then we go to ridiculous uh, extremes. And so those things are continuing today in today's church. We got You would have a big percentage of the church that just doesn't really go there at all in terms of the spirit world and then you would have people who are, are kind of really flaky when it comes to the hopeful demonic realm and conspiracy theories and that kind of thing.
0: I know like in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, If our gospel be hid, is hid to them whom the God of this age has blinded. And then again in Ephesians chapter 2, it doesn't just talk about us being dead in our trespasses and sins, but it talks about the demonic uh, oppression and i've I've in my own ministry and and, and, in travel and speaking with they're not aware of this as an unbeliever we might think you know uh, yes we need to get our relationship right with god Uh, i'm gonna repent i'm gonna but they don't understand this whole idea of the the demonic and the forces of darkness Uh, they might say oh yeah in a place like uh, Papua new guinea or if you're in if you're in uh, Chad or you're in the Congo or in Brazil, uh, there's a lot of occultic activity. But can you explain a little bit, even to a suburban uh, American or somebody living in England, that this is real? Before you come to Christ, that this 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 power, this shadow, this darkness, lies over the mind and the heart of an unbeliever.
2: Well, the yeah, darkness is the the word that's used a lot. You know, we're uh, one of the one of the uh, renditions of our salvation in uh, Colossians chapter one verse thirteen. Is we were uh, instead of just saying we're saved or we're converted or we're justified or other pictures in the New Testament, it says we were delivered from the dominion of darkness. Right. So every person who's outside of Christ has a certain amount of darkness in their thinking. Okay. And of course, that's, that's pretty obvious. I mean, millions of people don't believe there is a God. Millions of people don't believe, believe that God is something other than what he really is. And all of these things, you know, uh, that are in the minds of people. And these are very intelligent, very well-educated people, right. and, and they're not aware. So it, the key thing is the, the scripture that you read in Second Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds. We, we really underestimate many times the power of deception.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You just think of the huge religious systems and ideologies and... And theories that are out there that that really intelligent people believe, and the only way you can you can explain all of this is there is a real supernatural darkness and deception that that is constantly being pushed out by the powers of darkness.
3: Okay, very good. That, that's good, David. You had a question. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a couple uh, questions for you. So you know, I, I guess. You know, a lot of people really are wondering, is Satan real? I mean, when you take a look at the Bible, it starts in Genesis and Chronicles, and in the middle, and Revelations, all the way through, Christ is interacting with demons. I think I put down 25 references of Christ interacting with demons. Um, You know, and then when you think about this, some people think, you know, uh, is this like the exorcist during a daily situation? Or is it something less or something in the middle? I mean, how do we uh, as Christians talk to other Christians about this? And why don't you think the church addresses this? Because watching your videos, you made it clear this is one of the most important things we have to be aware of and one of the most important things we need to convey to people we're trying to disciple.
2: Uh, probably several reasons uh, i found in my 40-some years of traveling around and talking about this and talking to pastors and leaders and church people. Uh, one, see, in the non-Western world, the enemy's, um, the enemy's attack is in-your-face intimidation.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: In other words, you, you're not going to you're not going to get very many people in the African continent or in the Latin American uh, society or in the Asian society that denies the supernatural right. or the spirit world because their cultures have grown up wrapped around the realities of the spirit world. So that's so. So the enemy is in your face, intimidating, I'm here, I'm going to hurt you type of thing if you don't... Uh, Give in to my demands. In the West, the attack of the enemy is to hide, is to is is literally the word darkness. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and that we don't we don't believe in the supernatural. We don't believe there's a God. We don't believe there's a devil. We don't believe that the devil's doing to quote a lot of people all that much. <laughs>
1: right.
2: Or the, he, he was defeated at the cross, so it's it's over, you know, there's no spiritual warfare because Satan is, has been defeated. Well, the enemy is continuing to bring bondage and deception and and fear and death and destruction uh, in the human race, and, uh, you know, we just need to, to wake up to it. So, yeah, it's the first would be the deception angle that we just don't believe it's there. Uh, secondly would be the the craziness that a lot of people have gotten into uh, when they do see the realities of the supernatural. We do some really weird stuff, and then that backlashes in the church, and nobody wants to be branded with the weird stuff, so we just shut down the whole thing and say we're not going to be involved in that.
0: Got it. Okay. That's that's a pretty clear answer. Yeah, that is. Uh, I just want to one more time welcome our listening audience. This is WNZN coming to you from Lorain, Ohio, 89.1 FM radio. If you're having difficulty, you can also live stream this on your computer, www.wnzn.org. Another question I frequently get, Dean, and I want to reintroduce Dean Sherman. He's our special guest this morning, uh, coming to us from Salem, Oregon. And he's been with Youth of Mission, a mission organization for many, many years. And he's been one of their primary teachers on spiritual warfare. So he's basically discipling disciples who are going out into the mission field. And like he said, parts of the world, the demonic is very real. It's in your face. It's almost an everyday kind of an activity. Here in the West, in in Western Europe, in America, Canada, uh, Satan is more subtle. Uh, He's hidden, nevertheless. He is the deceiver. And he comes to rob, kill, and destroy. Now, uh, Dean, uh, a question I often get is, how does and to what capacity does the devil influence one's thoughts? And how, how might that happen?
2: Well, the main battlefield of spiritual warfare is the mind.
0: But how does he how 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 does, how does he influence? I know we walk in darkness. First John chapter five, the whole world life under darkness or under the control of darkness. But how does he actually um, influence a thought? Is it through the fallen world, or when Jesus says to Peter after he makes the great confession in in Matthew chapter sixteen, "Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God," but then almost very quickly after that, it says um, about uh, Satan, you know, uh, has influenced his thinking in some capacity. When Peter says to the Lord, "No, you're not going to be crucified and betrayed," and and you know uh, that, um, how would you address that?
2: Well, uh, the first thing is how how to say. What we have to understand is the spirit world is two sided. We have a we have a spirit God. Our right. God, Jesus said to the woman at the well. Our God is spirit. Yes. They, that were, they that access him must access him in spirit and in truth. Uh, and then we have a spirit enemy. The devil and demons are spirit beings. Now, spirit beings do two things. This is really not rocket science. It's very, very, uh, you know, it's it's very simple in its concept, at least. Uh Spirit power does two things. Number one, uh, they function in ability and power, supernatural. And secondly, they talk. So every day, every believer should be saying, uh, Hey, Spirit God, what are you doing and saying? What do you want to do? What is your will? And what are you saying to me? Through your word, or directly, or whatever, because God is a God who talks. You know, He talked to everybody through, throughout Bible history and throughout church history. Um, and so we have a spirit enemy, and right from the first thing that we learn about the devil is in the Garden of Eden, where He talks. So, the so God and. and this is not an audible talk, a natural talk. This is a, spirit, a a impression in the mind, mostly an impression in the mind talk. It's the way God talks to us. It's the way the enemy talks to us. And so I've become convinced, even though I didn't say it in my early years of teaching this, that Satan and demons talk to probably every human mind every day. And that's why we've got to guard our thought life and ask our constantly analyze our thoughts and say, "Hey, where do these thoughts come from?" Because when you see huge religious systems that hold billions of people in them, uh-huh. and you think, "How did this get, all get developed?" Or you you think of uh, you know different philosophies and scientific theories and various things like that. And you think, where does this stuff come from? It's it's very detailed. It's very complex. It's very destructive. It's very it bring, brings things into bondage and, and destruction and so on. Uh, it's just it's proof to us that demonic power influences the mind of people. That's what the god of this world blinds the minds. So and that, that's sorry. the major function.
0: So once a person is a believer, indwelt with the Holy Spirit, Lord willing, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, being not conformed to this world, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the more that renewing process takes hold, and we we have God's word, that is in a sense limiting access uh, of the demonic. Do you see what I'm saying? Uh, and whereas, whereas a person that's unregenerate, uh, they're they're under the, almost like puppet strings. If you look at Ephesians chapter two, verses one and two, that that, that control is there in a very real way.
2: Yeah, there, you know, we're, we are. When we're saved, when we're uh, when we come into Christ, we come into life, and we are delivered from that dominion of darkness so we're free in the sense that we're eternally free in Christ but that doesn't mean that the enemy doesn't continue to attack and his one of his major attacks is through the through speaking to our minds through the temptation the suggestions the the lies that come to us so yeah there is a difference in the sense that believers are free from the bondage of death and are in eternal life mm-hmm. and the bondage of sin and they're now in righteousness, but in terms of the temptation and the and the the lies of the enemy that continues in the believer just in the same way it continues in the unbeliever.
0: I see. So so when you look at James, when he says God gives grace to the humble Submit yourselves, therefore, under God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's that's in that that's, that's that realm going on. Would you say? Yeah. Okay, got it. Good. Go and, and
2: that same same passage where he where he's saying um, or, or in uh, in Peter chap first Peter chapter five, where it's saying the devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. So that's spoken to believers.
0: Right. Right. The
2: enemy is constantly, as a roaring lion, seeking to devour. Now, he can't devour you because you're in Christ. But what he can do is sucker you into thinking the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing so that you give access to him. Ephesians chapter 4, believers are being addressed again in Ephesians chapter 4. Don't let the sun go down on your. Anger, and then it continues in the following verses to talk about wrong communication and bitterness and, and uh, all kinds of things that, that we allow to fester in our being. And then in verse 27 of Ephesians 4, it says, uh, Because this can give access, give foothold, yeah. give uh, to the enemy. So we're constantly needing to deal with our thoughts to cast down, to analyze and say, where do these thoughts come from? We're needing to deal with our relationships and forgive one another and love one another, and we're to deal with our attitudes. Not because we won't go to heaven if we have a bad attitude. That's not the point. The point is it gives place to or access to the enemy.
0: Okay, that's a perfect segue, Dean, because I know your other book is on relationships. So... And I know you've done seminars. I've watched on uh, the YouTube multiple seminars. I think you were in New Zealand or Australia at the time. So, what if, for believers? Where do you think the, the foothold comes in um, for a breakdown in relationships? Let's between a husband and a wife. These primary relationships, and how that regarding in the uh, spiritual warfare to identify that defend against that build up against those kind of those kind of entry points are giving place
2: <laughs> the probably the biggest entry point for demonic power into into believers lives and circumstances is uh, anger that turns to bitterness and unforgiveness mm-hmm. and I have I have not been a big uh, personal deliverance person myself, but I've dealt, of course, with a lot of pastors and leaders that that dwell on that. And I've been told over many years now by many people that 80-some percent of people who are demonized got that way because of bitterness and unforgiveness.
0: Okay, Right. Wow. That's that's amazing. I mean,
2: and we have we have Jesus speaking in Matthew eighteen, the story of the the guy who was forgiven the big debt and wouldn't forgive the small debt, and then he said the guy was turned over to the jailers, the tormentors. Different words in different versions. Uh, there's no doubt about the fact that we open ourselves up um, to demonic influence. Uh, in our lives and our circumstances if we do not forgive Continually,
0: that's a good point and that goes to the point in 2 Corinthians 3 Where Paul urges that church in Corinth to welcome that man back that they had put out and uh, and then he says welcome him back forgive him for when we're not ignorant Of the strategy of the devil and it was yes. in the issue of forgiveness. I believe mm-hmm. That's very interesting David you had
3: a question. Yeah, so I uh, you know, one of the things, one of our tools is, uh, you know, if we look at the armor of God in the scriptures, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power and put on the full armor of God in Ephesians six ten through 18. Um, you know, that's a whole nother show. But, um, I mean, how do you control your thoughts, Dean, and how do you put on the armor of God?
2: Well, the armor of God is on all the time. The reason it says put on means we got to walk that
3: out. What do you mean by we that? Got, well,
2: that. we got to live it out. Oh, okay. In other words, I don't I don't I don't wake up every morning in unrighteousness and have to put on righteousness because I'm eternally righteous in Christ. Right. Uh, the helmet is salvation. I don't wake up every morning and have to get saved again. I'm already saved. So the armor is on constantly okay. because the, because the armor is Christ. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't have Christ and also armor. Our righteousness is a person, Jesus Christ. Our salvation is a person, Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the armor. So uh Romans 13 Romans uh, 13 says put on the Lord Jesus Christ Ephesians 6 says put on a breastplate put on a helmet same thing it's just using illustrative language of a soldier's armor to say put on Christ right I got gotcha. you so so Christians need to be reassured that this armor is there all the time ah. now why does it say therefore in in uh, Ephesians, Six, put on the armor. It means we don't live in a vacuum. We live in a sequence. So we have to walk in our salvation, walk in our righteousness, walk in the truth, function according to those things and according to Christ and let Christ's life live out through us, not just I'm a new creature in Christ eternally, so here I just... I'm just in a um, static state. No, we're in a sequence, so I have to function righteously, function in the truth. So that's
0: putting on the armor. Putting on the whole armor. And one of the keys there is, like you said earlier, therefore you're not going to give place or entry point for the devil to actually come in as the accuser of the brethren to gain some kind of uh, influence or control.
2: Yeah, see, Ephesians uh, 4 precedes Ephesians 6 of course, mm-hmm. and as already said, don't let the sun go down on, because it gives place to the devil. Yeah. So so the, the whole sequential, I've got to keep putting that on. Uh, mm-hmm. I teach people, don't fight your wrong thoughts. The first thing is analyze them. Why am I thinking this? Where do these thoughts come from? Is this true? Is this... Is this according to the scripture? Is this uh, according to the nature and character of God? And then instead of fighting wrong thoughts, we replace them.
0: Okay, uh, by, by putting God's word into our heart? Yeah, you, yeah, putting
2: God's word into our hearts or making our thoughts agree with truth, agree with righteousness, agree with God's opinion.
0: Now, Dean, I've had people that said they're believers, you know, fairly strong believers, but they're beset by, by a thought. It could be anger. It could be a, an issue of lust. But I mean, in every area, they're working, walking in victory, but they have this besetting sin or pattern or thought. And they said, well, I've done that or I, I, I've memorized scripture, but they can't seem to, to break that hold, if you know what I'm saying. It's almost like a scratch on a record. They're doing really good, and then the needle hits that one thing, and it triggers it. And they, again, it could be an issue of anger, it could be of lust, it could be of fill in the blank. What would you suggest to that person?
2: Uh, well, we all—I think we all are in some measure of that. I—I don't know any believers that that have perfect thoughts all day every day. I mean, you know, even Jesus Christ was tempted, and the greatest part of temptation is in our minds. So that's that's really not an issue. It's just don't dwell there. Uh, don't first of all, don't be condemned of that I'm a failure because wrong thoughts are popping into my mind or wrong attitudes are cropping up. That's why that's why the Ephesians four passage is so important. Don't let the sun go down means don't let things fester and stay. Deal mm-hmm. with it, just like we take showers to deal with our sweaty bodies. We take, we brush our teeth to deal with the plaque on our teeth. It doesn't mean we're not we're we're gonna have bodies that don't need showers until
3: we get to right. heaven, I suppose. Right.
2: Uh, so yeah.
1: Okay. Just,
3: good. Just deal with it. David, did you have a question? Yeah, again, um, Dean, you know, in terms of what people think with spiritual warfare, when you bring it up, uh, people think really far, far left. Like they think of the exorcist all the time. And, uh, I mean, a good percentage of it is what in your mind every day? Just, you know, bitterness, uh, just day-to-day stuff that's not as, uh, you know, crazy is you know, something like that. Uh, Is is that true?
2: Yes. This is another thing that I got started on. Years ago when I was in Australia and I started thinking about these whole spiritual warfare things, um, there was a lot of personal deliverance or exorcism taking place in almost every meeting that I attended or was a part of. And uh, there's a long story that I won't take time for here that, An event happened, and I asked the Lord what he was trying to show me, and I felt like he said, I need somebody to speak on spiritual warfare as a life, rather than just being set free from bondages. Mm -hmm. Uh, Being set free from bondages is a valid ministry and needs to happen. But we, but the bigger part of spiritual warfare is just an everyday ongoing life situation, and it's it's to do with thoughts, attitudes, words, and relationships.
0: Okay, that's very good, Dean. Um, while I have on you on the air here with your very unique perspective, of being overseas for so many years, I know when I lived overseas for many years, coming back, I got a difference kind of perspective on America and American culture, over 40 years, what have you seen in terms of the drift, the moral drift, and the influence of the demonic in American culture when you look at media, music, the, the whole interest now in superstition, occult, all of these other kind of things, even on shows, almost on TV shows, what kind of drift, and what is that, what do you say? I'm, I'm curious of your own assessment of that.
2: Well, yeah, of of course. The society is disintegrating. There's no doubt about that. Uh, In in all of those areas, the occult is growing, and you've got a bigger percentage of people in America or any... It it, it applies everywhere. Whenever you have a, a larger and larger percentage of the citizens of a given place that don't believe truth then of course demonic power can be stronger so at one time in America's history how many people would have believed in God how many people would have believed Jesus in Jesus Christ as God and that he rose from the dead and so on I don't know the percentage but I'm sure it was higher at some state, even though all of the other stuff was here it was not here in as big amounts. So all of the evil has always been in some place like America. Right. But the percentages were not as... So the percentages now of people in America are... There's there's a lot more people from other religions, a lot of more people that are atheists, a lot more people who are... Uh, you know, following one philosophy or, or, or religion or whatever. So yeah, there's gonna there's there's going to be an increase of darkness wherever there's less light.
0: Exactly. And you've now, seen that. What also. I have
2: to say about that though is that God sent His Son to this planet when the Romans were. Uh, oppressing and being horribly immoral and, you know, the whole darkness thing was huge in the Roman Empire, and God sent his son into the midst of that condition, and he proved to us that the kingdom of God can not only survive, but thrive and grow in that darkness.
0: Hmm. Okay. Great. That's good. And very, very good. So, you know, going forward, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious. What, what do you think of the whole uh, issue of the prayer and fasting? We've seen things happen here with fasting, but particularly related to your ministry and the uh, uh, dealing. You know, with this idea of spiritual breakthroughs and breaking bondages. Yeah. What, what's your thoughts on that?
2: Well, the reason we call it spiritual warfare, it should it, that's really a misnomer in a way. It should be called spirit warfare. You know, if you look at Ephesians 6, the put on the armor of God, we wrestle not against flesh and blood passage. Verse 18 says, let all prayer at all times be done in the spirit. So we, we are engaging spirit powers. By a spirit power, the Holy Spirit. That's why we're told in the New Testament, walk in the spirit, live in the spirit, pray in the spirit, function in the spirit. Why? Mm. Because we're trying to release a spirit God through us, a supernatural God, and we're trying to push back and break down and weaken a spirit enemy. So we're to function, in, live in the spirit, and pray in the spirit. Now, um, say your question again. I kind of lost my train of thought there. I'm Uh, sorry. I
0: was just asking you about uh, prayer and fasting. Okay. Particularly.
2: So, here's the axiom. Spirit power moves to and through humans according to their degree of yielding. So fasting, for instance, is a one of the ways we yield more to the flow of the Spirit. So that we have a greater flow, unity is a greater flow of the Spirit. If two or more of you agree about anything, we'll ask. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, why, does, why is there a need for agreement? I mean, is God going, I'm not going to do this until I get you to agree? God is not arbitrary like that so it has to do with the the widening of the flow of the spirit through us as a church as believers so things like fasting and things like uh when jesus said to his disciples when they said how come we couldn't cast this one out and jesus said this kind only comes out he was talking this kind meant this is a stronger bondage in this guy's life than the other bondages that you have been routinely dealing with. So I said, this kind needs more yielding, more prayer and fasting. So, you know, more prayer is not doesn't convince God anymore, because God's already convinced of what his will is and his compassion to meet the needs of people. But it has to do with a yielding so that there's a greater flow of the Spirit of God through us.
0: So, so we have. I like that. Yeah. We have prayer, we have fasting, we have unity of the brethren, where two or three are gathered together. Is there any other? I, I like these subsets you've given us.
2: The fervent prayer of a righteous man, James chapter five. So you have righteousness.
0: Okay, righteousness. Okay, good.
2: Remember when the when the people of God went into the promised land or across the Jordan River, he said. Sanctify yourselves, because God wants to do wonders among you.
1: Okay, right. I like that. Okay.
2: So, so when to, to the degree that we are repenting and and walking in righteousness and humility and all of these things, uh, those are ways of yielding ourselves to a greater flow of the Spirit of God through us.
0: Okay, obedience too. Okay. Right. I just want to jot these down because they're very. It's good to hear these.
2: And then the fervent prayer. That's an interesting concept because people go, "You don't have to yell at God. He's not deaf, and you don't have to get all charged up." And and it's true. God can hear prayers that are whispered or prayers that are even silent. You know.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: So so all of that stuff has its place, but there is also a place for intensity. this word fervent in uh, in James 5 talks about intense, and you have all through the Old Testament, which the Old Testament, by the way, is a spiritual warfare manual, because the the same demons that were there are the demons that we're fighting today, and you had the shouting, and you had the marching around the walls, and you had the raising up the staff over the Red Sea and all these things, these were yieldings so that the Spirit of God would flow through in a power to break down the walls of Jericho or whatever.
0: Good. David, do you have a Yeah, you know, Thank Dean, you, thank you, that was good.
3: You know, Dean, I always like to ask this question, uh, j- just to help me visualize and the listeners visualize, how do you operate on a daily, weekly basis... Uh, number one, when, you know, things are normal. And number two, when you feel you're getting attacked, h- how do you act? What would be your program to, um, you know, have have a God flowing more through you? So could you give us some examples in your own life?
2: Um, just all of those, I don't really have any program at okay. all. Okay. And uh, I... I I really try to steer clear of formulas and okay. that sort of thing.
3: So if because if you feel you're getting, that's, yeah, that's
2: religiousness. That's the kind of thing that Jesus really upbraided the Pharisees for. Was a uh, you know patterns and and doing things just because we did them, you know, traditionally and whatever.
3: Yeah, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't really mean that. I, I wasn't really going that far. Oh. I was just saying, for example, on when you talked about prayer and fasting, how would you do it if you were looking to break some bondage? Just, you know, give an example. Do you pray all day? And when you fast, do you just drink water? You know, those types of things.
2: Oh. Well, it's just the things that I just talked about. Okay. I, I just really search my heart and repent of things that I. Have said and done, and make sure that I'm really walking in righteousness, and that breastplate of righteousness is in place. So, repentance, humility, uh, yeah, fasting is something that I practice uh, somewhat over the years. And y- you know, you need to you need to consult your medical condition and all that, and make sure that. But yeah, fasting. The only fasting I've ever practiced is, is uh, you know, water only, and and working your way back if it's been a longer fast. And you know, there's there's medical realities that need to be addressed there, and not to do silly things to our health. Right. Um. Yeah, but just all of those things: repentance, humility. Uh, making things right in relationships, um, saying sorry to your wife. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, <clears throat> you know, it just—it's all of the things that I just said. That—that's—that's sure. that, that's, that's the kinds of things that I practice.
0: De- uh, Dean, in all your travels, different countries, and uh, with different mission groups, have you seen a place where uh, you saw a real spirit of the Holy Spirit move upon a, a community of believers. Um, I don't want to call it necessarily revival, but just something happened in a very special way that impacted believers and then went out from there, let's say, into the surrounding village or town. Uh, have you have you seen that, you know, kind of a breakthrough moment?
2: Um, well, yeah, there's... There's been, not just in my own situation, but, of course, I've been traveling and teaching right. way more than I've been functioning in a place to see things happen like uh, a, a church pastor would. Yes. Um, so a lot of the things that I've seen are not things that I necessarily participated in, but I saw other people participate in.
1: Uh-huh.
2: But, yeah, it's just... We, when we get really serious and present and, and bring the, all of the things that I've just said several times now, you, more unity, more prayer, more time in prayer, more people agreeing in prayer, uh, uh, humbling ourselves. Um, uh, yes, that those things often bring... A sort of a a, what we're calling a breakthrough and a a move of God's spirit, and then yes, it does go out from there. I mean, I'm not going to mention them because of the controversy, but you know, there are things right now going on in in the world and in particular locations that that that's that's happened. That something has gone out from that that place and that source and. Yeah, I've I've, uh, been a part of a a lot of that kind
0: of thing. Okay. Dean, we only have a couple more minutes before we close. Uh, Once again, I want to mention to the audience, this is WNZN uh, 1 FM coming to you from Lorain, Ohio, uh, uh, 89.1 FM radio. And we're just uh, very grateful that we've had Dean Sherman on this afternoon. Uh, A teacher uh, missionary uh, leader uh, that really is a one who makes disciples so that they might go out and make disciples and with the focus on um, what he would call spirit warfare and giving us really good insights really good information gleaned from all of his years in ministry and is there anything in the closing minute or two three minute whatever here being that you would uh, in summary what can you tell us our listening audience As we come to the close of 2020, it's been quite a year, uh, that we can, uh, you know, anything you would like to share at all by way of a um, uh, teaching, a summary, advice, a scripture, admonition, anything at all.
2: Uh, I've mentioned the idea of humility several times and it's the Holy Spirit's kind of just dropped that into my mind right now. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, the church in America, and to some degree the whole world, is is being led into by God a time of humility. In other words, we're being we're going to be humbled even if we're not humbling ourselves. It's got to be a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. And and it's going to seem a little bit like persecution and defeat and, and uh, like we're losing out, but when Jesus humbled himself to death, even the death of a cross, that's where his... Authority came from. He was highly exalted and given a name above every name. So it's out of the brokenness and humility and humbling that comes to us involuntarily that we are gain, going to gain a greater authority in the spirit world. Uh, we need to emphasize the battle in the spirit world. More than the battle in the natural world, mm-hmm. uh, I feel that the church has gotten drawn aside in these these days to being involved. It's not that we're not to be involved in social, political, uh, natural issues. We are, but we've got to keep our emphasis on what's going on in the spirit realm, because that's where we have authority. That's where Jesus has defeated things, and that's where we can have a greater victory. We're not going to have a—we're not always assured a great victory in the seen realm.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, Jesus did not overthrow the Romans. Jesus did not— uh, as a matter of fact, I don't think he ever even spoke against them, even though they were a horrible lot of uh, oppressive people. Uh, so keep our keep our eyes on the, the the unseen kingdom and the the ways of God, and not on the natural. And then the other thing that I that's come to me as we've been discussing this morning is. Um, That we should, that we should be more, that we should be more deliberate and aggressive. More Christians need to, to see what, you know, uh, the strongholds are. Ephesians 6, verse 11, uh, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes, the plans demonic power has schemes and plans that they're that they're carrying out and discern what those plans and schemes are in a marriage in a family in a church in a nation in a city whatever and and ag- aggressively go against them with specifics we have we we exercise more faith when we're more specific in our prayers right and and we need to be praying uh, you know, First John five four according to the will of God. We got to be really careful not to have it be something that we want, but something that God is intending to do. Yeah. So more more specific focus at, with intensity and. Um, Yeah, with, uh, I'm I'm losing a word here, but uh, aggressive. Yeah, there's the word. We need to be more aggressive against the enemy and less aggressive against other humans.
0: (laughs) Very good. Well, on that note, Dean, again, we just want to really thank you. I know it's a busy season, and I know your schedule is probably very busy. But thank you. Uh, God willing, we'd like to invite you to come back on again in the new year. Um, if, if you're happy to do that, we can expand on some of these things you've presented. I really like some of those things you talked about, about more power and allowing to release the Holy Spirit into these different situations. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Dean. Uh, God bless you and your family as we come to a close of 2020. Uh, may you have a blessed new year. And uh, we just thank you for your service over these years to the kingdom of God and to the mission field and and to reaching the lost and the extension of God's kingdom and raising up disciples. So thank you again, Dean. And if you don't mind, we'd like to maybe touch base in the new year sometime.
3: I would love to do that. Wonderful. God bless you. Thank you. you. God bless you. Have a great holiday, Dean. This was very informative.
0: Thank you again, Dean. God bless you.